Hey everyone, welcome to 5M Voice, our host of conference. Today we have M. Lesperance and Fitz Fournier. M is a senior at high school, and Fitz is a senior at Albany High School. So, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Will. Pretty good, pretty good. Good to hear, good to hear. So, today our topic is self-love, and self-love is a weird thing because everyone seems to have their own sort of definition of self-love. So I guess to start off, I was wondering if you guys could just tell me what self-love means to you. I do agree that um, that each person's definition of self-love is very unique. And I just have to say for like, for me, I think it would be a complete acceptance of every aspect of who you are as an individual. Um, and there are probably levels of self-love as well. Um, can't just be like solidly defined as, you know, you love every part of yourself. Um, I think it's like, can also be defined as like the action of working toward improving who you are as a person and accepting who you are as a person. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, the way I think of it, it's um, a lot of the same what you said. Um, I think of it as um, accepting and celebrating the parts of yourself that even you aren't sure what to do with or how to manage because you're a person and you're human and you're going to have those parts of yourself and you need to learn how to pick yourself up and realize that it's you're great the way you are, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. and. It's weird because I think there are a lot of different ways that you can go from the first steps of self-love. I'm just said it as breaking into different phases, I guess. Uh, there are more phases just, than just the first one. I think that's true, but I think that there are a lot of different paths after the first step. I, I think everyone's first step of self-love is the same. It's just acknowledging yourself. Uh, it's like, I'm a human. I deserve love. But then, then you can go in a bunch of different directions. Uh, I guess I wanted to really talk about some of them. So the first thing that came up to me was narcissism, where it's like, I deserve self-love. But beyond that, it's like, I am like amazing. I am I'm better at whatever you're talking about than you are. Just, Do you think that's self-love? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you think narcissism is self-love? Because I guess it is loving yourself in a weird way but not really yet what, what are your thoughts on that i feel like the type of narcissism you're talking about right now is kind of more of a like fake it until you make it kind of mindset you know like you tell yourself you're good at something until you actually are and like even if it's if even if that's not kind of what you're talking about and it's more of a like legitimate like oh i'm the best yeah uh, I do think that is a form of self-love, um, maybe not one of the healthiest. Um, you know, taking it too far can, I think, make it kind of become damaging to yourself and others. But I definitely do think it's like a path you can take. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think that there is an interesting line that I wouldn't call fine or bold between 
narcissism and self-confidence because I think a lot of people are misguided when they're going on their journey to discover how to better themselves and take care of themselves. And they get a little caught up in um, what you're expected to uh, say and feel about yourself. So they get into this mindset like, okay, well, because I am taking care of myself and because I'm learning that I'm a person, that means that I'm better than the rest of the world. Um, so I can't, I don't, I can't say for sure if that's self-love or not. Cause I, I know I do walk that line sometimes. I do, I know I personally walk that line. Um, but there's a, there is a, there's a delicate balance between what's healthy and what's not. And I feel like a lot of self-love has to deal with that balance. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. And on the other side of the scale, I guess, is self-deprecation, which I don't really view as self-love, but I think it comes from self-love in, in a very weird way. Because I know for a while, I, I definitely did this to myself. And I think that it was because like, well, I don't want to seem... I'm the best at everything. So it's like, I'm going to play down everything, even if I'm kind of good at it. And then it would just kind of snowball into self-deprecation. But I think that came from wanting to love myself in a weird way. Self-love sort of pushed me on that. It didn't, self-love didn't push me towards self-deprecation. I pushed myself towards that, but it was from, if that makes sense, you know? And I guess another thing about self-deprecation is that if you turn on a comedy, right, a comedy special from a stand-up comedian, I will bet you a lot of money that there's at least one joke about them, like, being short or being fat or whatever race they are or something like that. And I think that now that we basically idolize so many of these famous actors or comedians or directors or whoever... I think that what they say really influences us as a teenage generation. And I think that that really goes against what, what we really should be, you know, following, which is people are like, if you are, you know, black, white, yellow, purple, pink, whatever, like you still deserve the same amount of love you give to everyone else. Instead of if you are fat, then you should make fat jokes about yourself, you know, something like that. But do you think that self-deprecation or, or something along those lines really comes from self-love? Or do you think there are two independent things that don't really have anything to do with each other? Way, I feel like I feel like it definitely can be at times. I feel like there's um, points in time where we do need to learn to laugh at ourselves a little bit and not in a like, haha, I'm gonna laugh because I hate myself kind of way, but in like a in a in a way where you recognize that sometimes you really just can laugh at yourself. Like I will say for a definite fact that I goof up just so much. And there there was a there was a really good large stretch of time where 
when I was laughing at myself because I was messing up, it wasn't because I started laughing first. It was because other people were, and I joined them so that I could be sheltered from the hurt that I would have felt otherwise. But now, now that I recognize that I am not my screw-ups, that I am not the mistakes, that those don't define me, I can laugh at them because I know that I will have better times and there will be points in time when I'm doing something awesome and nobody's really going to be laughing at that. So let's take the time now. You make a very good point about like other people laughing first and like you know personally I think especially in like middle school and that awkward stage I would use self-deprecation as like you know I like I start laughing first so that other people can't you know like I would make that joke before anyone else did because if I made it it wouldn't be so like hurtful and impactful so you know self-deprecation I think is a tool just like anything else um it can be used in a more negative way like that way or you know it can be used to be like I acknowledge that I don't have that I'm like not a perfect indiv individual and I'm pointing out like some flaws in myself that I can recognize and you know comfortably talk about so you know, when used correctly, I do think it can like stem from self-love and being able to be comfortable enough with yourself to make those jokes. So this is a tough question because I guess there's no real answer, but how do you think you got to that point or how do you think you will get to that point of really accepting like this is who I am so I can make these types of jokes and, and know that this is not me, you know, I, I know who I am. So how do you think you got to that point or are getting to that point? For me, um, when I was making those jokes, it, it didn't really fully feel like a joke. Like there was a layer of seriousness to it. And a lot of times I would feel hurt. Um, I know that I personally, when I'm feeling like emotional hurt, it, it hits in like a very physical way. Like I will physically feel just terrible. So sometimes when I would be making these jokes, I would feel physically terrible. And after, I, I really, I couldn't tell you what year it was. I don't have a good grasp on time, but there was this one year where I saw a post somewhere that said, instead of self-deprecating that you should try and laugh at yourself in the exact opposite way. If you trip on something, call yourself the epitome of grace. If you spell something wrong, say that you invented the English language. And I tried that just for a day. I worked myself up for two weeks and for a day, I tried it out. And for the first time in a while when I was joking about myself, I was genuinely laughing. And I think after that is when I sort of hit my stride and realized, okay, this is something that's achievable. It is, it's within grasp. I can laugh at myself and still be okay. So then I started to um, rework the type of jokes that I make about myself, rework the way I'm talking. And a lot of it, 
a lot of it was making sure that the people around me were in check too, because it's not just what you say, but what you make sure others are, what you make sure you know others are, how do I, I mixed up the words, but basically you have to make sure that the people around you are on the same page. Because if you are loving and accepting yourself and your friends are still calling you an idiot unprompted, that's counterproductive. And you have to let them know that this is not where you need to be. I thought it was really interesting how you brought up a um, post that helped you recenter your thinking. Uh, because I I was going to mention social media's influence as well, because like, um, I think the negative parts of social media are always focused on, but, you know, the positive aspects that they can have on many people's lives are often overlooked because I, too, got a lot of, like, help and guidance from social media. It wasn't just that, but it was seeing, like, people being positive with each other, like, suggestion posts such as that of how to, like, treat yourself better, um, you know, better mental images of yourself, all of that. I started seeing stuff like that on, like, Instagram, and, you know, it really did help. It wasn't everything, you know. Um finding the right friend groups, getting, you know, control of my life a little bit, because I think a lot of people can relate to the statement that middle school was a mess. So, you know, getting to high school, figuring out who my real friends were, you know, all of that was also really important. But, you know, it's a kind of individualized process, as annoying as that may be. Just like, do your best, treat yourself well positive light not negative light yeah I also really found it interesting that you brought up the post because I'm not really on that side of Instagram or social media in general but for a long time I, I always had this idea that yeah Instagram was just where you post sports highlights or your dog or where some girl is like 90 pounds and I don't even know but then even even in my sports-filled feed, I, I started getting posts about, like, you know, body positivity and why you really shouldn't say, like, these certain things about yourself because in the long run, it's really detrimental to your mental health and all that stuff. And I was like, huh, like, maybe maybe Instagram isn't exactly what I thought in the first place. Like, I just think that's really interesting. It, and it, it's not this happened, like, a long time ago. I feel like this was a very recent switch. I'm not recent in the terms of like a few weeks ago, but like within a few years, like it seems like there's been a huge movement of just more self-love towards people, more body positivity towards people. And no, not people, to yourself, actually. And I don't know, I just think that's, it's really cool. Like, like we've talked about social media before and good or bad or whatever you think listening if social media is good or bad like there are undeniable positives to it and there are also undeniable negatives to it but these positives are really helping people i, I mean that it's just a fact like say what you want about social media but at the end of the day this stuff works so yeah it's just it's just pretty cool it's pretty cool to see that now about friends 
because you're definitely right. Friends play a huge part in the way you see yourself because these are the people who you spend a majority of your day with. At least I do. I spend a majority of my day with my friends, whether it's online or in person. And the things that they say about me, they're meaningful to me because they're my friends. You know, I care about their opinion. So I'm brought up finding who your actual friends are. And I guess I'm wondering, like, how would you just just walk through the process, I guess, of of figuring out who your real friends are? Because that's not an easy thing to do. And I get it that it's very individual based. But like if you were talking to to some if you're talking to a middle schooler who is about to enter freshman year and you're talking to them about how you really have to find your 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 friend group like what would you tell them how would you weed out the people who you really shouldn't be hanging out with who should you look for and and picking who to trust with you know deeper things that you might not want to share with other people like what would you say for me it was all about like trusting your gut um because you know um once you're in high school at least at Bethlehem in the middle school you have like specific houses that they divide kids into and you only ever see people from your house so you know friends could be kind of limited um and then once you got to high school all barriers were dropped um you start meeting I started meeting all kinds of new people who I had never seen before who turned out to be in my grade and stuff and it was just like if I was happy when I was with somebody just like no thought about it. I just felt happy with them. Then I knew that that was some, someone I wanted to be with, you know, someone who like conversation was effortless. You could always pick up where you left off, no matter how long it had been. And, you know, just people who weren't like that, who it was like a chore to keep in contact with, who you felt like you had to hide things or alter parts of yourself so you would fit easier with them. It just, it got to be too much work. And I just kind of like drifted away from those people naturally. Um, I was lucky in that I didn't have any like major drama or friend breakup type stuff. It was just like, you know, if if we could like handle that big of a change and like our teens and changing as people, then we stayed together, we stayed friends, but the others just drifted away and it seems sad, but it's like, I don't miss them. So I know it was right. Yeah, um, I've had a few similar experiences to that um, where, you know, just eventually you just sort of drift away. Um, my issue um, was that I am a people pleaser and I will give my mind, body and soul to make sure that the people around me are happy and to make sure that the friends that I have stick around, um, which can definitely be a problem, especially when I go against my initial instincts and choose to be friends with people who I, you know, like I can tell won't be good for me, but I still want to be there for them and with them. Um, I have had a few big friend drama breakup things but the biggest takeaway 
that I can pass on to you guys is that in all of those, when I came to these people and I told them that what I needed for the sake of my health and my well-being and my progression as a person is to take a break from our friendship, their response was to get upset and demand to know why, why it is that I need to take a break. And the biggest thing that you need to keep in mind when trying to get yourselves out of these situations and find yourself different people is that you owe no one an explanation but yourself. You don't owe them any reasoning as to why you can't be their friend. You don't owe them any explanation. And you, as a person, if you feel that it is too much energy and too much time to be a friend to this person, then that is a decision that you make on your own. They don't get to make that decision for you. So if you tell someone that you can't be friends with them anymore, and they ask for a reason, you just gotta let them know. I'm sorry, but that's not, that's not something that you need to know. That's my business alone. And I really hope that you are well in the rest of your life. And that's another thing that I need to keep in mind was that even though there might've been difficulty with these people, we are all just people and you have to just wish them well and move on. You can't dwell on it because in the end, it's better for you and where you're going to leave behind people that don't just make you happy naturally. If you have to fight for it, you shouldn't be in it. Very well put. <laughs> I wanna go back to something that Fitz said a while ago. Uh, it was about self-confidence. And I was talking to my friend uh, a while ago, and he's very well put together. Uh, I think that, you know, he's great. He's a great guy. He's a great friend. And we were talking about, well, I was like, yo, you got to teach me how to, like, be like you, because you're just, wow. <laughs> I mean, you're great. And after a while, he kind of just... We, we started talking about perfectionism and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I think there's a difference between being confident and being perfect. You know, I think that he said that confidence is that you just see that you have inner value and you have that you see that you are worthy of respect and love. And then perfect is, well, perfect is perfect. And I, I think that that's a very interesting line because I think that's another thing that self-love can really push you down. The idea that you have to be perfect. I mean, there was a long period of time where I thought anything less than perfect was not okay. But I was also like, man, how could you, how could you love yourself if this guy is beating you in every single, in every single race, you know, how could you love yourself if, these three people are, are getting higher test scores than you. Like, you have to be better than this. And that was not a good time for me because 
that, yeah, that was just not a good time for me. So I guess my question for you guys is that how do you think you can walk the line between confidence and perfection? Because in my opinion, perfection is unachievable. Uh, you know, you can't be perfect. Everyone has a flaw or something. But confidence is something that I think that you really need in life. You know, you, you have to be confident. If you deserve a promotion, you have to be confident to just go up and, and say, like, hey, I think I need a promotion or something. And it's not even just that. It's like it could be as small as having confidence to go up to the waiter and say, hey, I, I think you messed up my order. I actually ordered this, which is not an easy task, <laughs> honestly. But, you know, how do you think you walk that line? I am definitely still working on this one. Um, it's something I've had to work on my entire um, journey uh, so far with self-love and caring for myself as a person um, because I just hold myself to such a high expectation. Um, and when I don't meet that, um, and when I, when I come close but not quite, it's um it can be devastating but the way i think of it the way i think of it confidence is knowing that you as a person are perfectly lovable and acceptable as you are and then loving and accepting yourself as you are because you can and perfection is the ultimate the most flawless the most whatever I also don't think that's achievable. And I think that anyone can have confidence as long as they acknowledge that they are human and that there are things that, there are things that we can work on as hard as we can, but only reach a certain point because everyone and everything has a limit. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with trying to learn the balance between, um, between having high expectations for yourself and having unachievable expectations for yourself. Um, yeah. um, Will, you mentioned um, the line between um, confidence and perfection in terms of sports. That is something I can super relate to. Um, I played soccer for most of my life. Um, in middle school, I joined the school team. And, you know, up until that point, I had always been on rec teams and I had always been like the best one there. And getting to that school team, it was a much different environment. And I was not number one anymore. And that bothered me to no end. Like I had to be first. And when I wasn't, it, that's that was like the start of where my anxiety came from like I would get so stressed out the day before a game I would feel like I had to puke um and then like more recently um I've been rowing for the past few years um and you know I've like worked my way up to varsity and at this point I'm probably one of the um top varsity girls on my team but that cut came at a huge cost especially winter training. Um, last year was one of the worst winters of my entire life because I was like pushing so hard to be exactly what my coach wanted. Um, I was 
you know, friendly-ish competition with my um, other varsity girls. It was just awful. I was, like, pushing myself to extreme limits. Um, I got, like, injured multiple times. It was, it was awful. So that, like, push for perfection, it's, it is unattainable because every time you get to that first milestone you had set, a new one comes up. And it's just like a never-ending cycle of like, well, I got here, so now I can go more. And there's like still things out there for you to like achieve, still things that you're like falling short of. And it's just, it's okay to like step back, see your progress and say, I've done good. Now let me rest. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about this right now. And we've been kind of describing self-love as different phases, I guess. I kind of see it as sort of like a pathway with a bunch of different paths leading off of it. So you have your main self-love pathway, but then you have a bunch of paths leading off of it. And I don't know, I guess I see it. There's like the the straight line path is is very thin and there are a lot of different paths going off of it. And it is very easy to go off the path and never get back on the original path. And maybe you find something that that really worked for you, but you could also get pushed down into a hole of self-deprecation or uh, chasing perfectionism, which leads you to anxiety. Uh, There are all these different things that could happen. And it's weird because self-love is such a it's such a good thing, but yet it could lead to such bad things. Kind of ironic, I guess. There's this movie called Perks of Being a Wallflower. It's a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. It's on Netflix. And I can't remember who said this, but someone said a quote that really stuck out to me. I, I had to go look it back up so I don't misquote it. They said that if we, we only accept the love we think that we deserve, if we don't value ourselves if we don't think that we deserve love then we're not going to let anyone love us and it's kind of a endless loop of pain <laughs> uh, there was a book called there's a book called the subtle subtle art of not giving a fuck and I, it's actually a great book my, my friend gave it to me for christmas and uh the the author calls it the feedback loop of hell you know you're just it just feeds back into each other and and it just gets worse and worse for you and it's terrible. I think this is a feedback loop from hell. We only accept the love we, de- we think we deserve. So I guess what I'm wondering is how do we not necessarily trick, but convince our minds that we do deserve love and probably more love than we think that we deserve? Because at least for me, I, I think that, oh, I don't want to like push or anything. You know, I don't want to take too much. And yeah, I don't know. I guess how how do we convince our minds that we deserve as much love as we need? Um, honestly, I think it might just be like repetition. You know, it's not gonna happen overnight. Uh, you just have to keep reminding yourself, working at it, um, having people by your side to like help you with that will probably speed up the process um it's just it's really difficult you know it's not something 
people are completely comfortable talking about still um in the last few years there's been a lot of progress a lot of like a lot more um willingness to be open about this kind of topic but yeah I think it's probably just repetition keep telling yourself you deserve it definitely second that and there is very much a science to it as well um think of it like um how we use the phrase stuck in a rut where um wagon wheels over a dirt road will go over and over into these same paths until it's worn down and you can't go any other way on that road it's a lot of repetition and i know for a lot of people it's hard to consider ourselves as a person because it's a lot of it's a lot of being able to say everyone deserves love everyone deserves happiness everyone deserves a chance to love themselves but then we consider ourselves the exception and that's simply not the case so a lot of what i did was i tried to think of myself as a different person when i was having trouble with how i was feeling about myself i would say okay what would i tell one of my friends because i'm a lot kinder to my friends than i am to myself at times so i would sit down and i would take a moment to myself and think what would i say if this were one of my friends saying thinking or feeling this about themselves then i would go and I would write down if it was in my notes app or like a message that I never sent to anyone just to like see it in writing or like on paper. I would sit down and I would write out the advice. I would write out the encouragement and I would write out the positive reinforcement. And I would say, okay. And I would address how I was feeling after that so that I could remember that this is what happens when I treat myself the way that I treat other people. It's difficult to get out of your head and get out of the feelings that you have about yourself to start trying to feel better, but you just gotta take as many steps as you can, even if they're small. Any step in the right direction is a good step in the right direction. Yeah, that's, I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. You know, what would I say to my friends? I feel like I've given some pretty good advice to my friends that I could have listened to myself, but I, I don't know. I don't know why I just chose not to. I guess you're right. You're right. Like, we just think that it doesn't apply to us. Like, this applies to the entire world, except for us. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense, but. So I guess my last question on this topic is that imagine you're you're talking to your kid one day in the future and and you sit down with them and you're like they're about to start their self love journey or or they're around the age where they're they'll they'll understand what you're talking about if that makes sense and if you could just sum up every everything everything that we've talked about you know and you can tell them about it, well. How would you how would you tell them? Knowing me, I would probably make up a really convoluted metaphor, which takes about ten minutes to explain. 
and I would sit them down and I would say, a path in the fog is still there when you can't see it. Even if you don't know where you're going in your progress, even if you're not sure where you're ending up, you're still working. You're still marching forward and you're still trying. It will be scary not being able to see where you're going, but this is uncharted land because everyone is different. You are different. We may be alike, but you are going to function completely differently than anyone else in the world. So this is your path to walk. But you're not alone. There's always going to be someone there, even if you can't see them. The fog hides a lot, but what's there is there. You really can't deny that. I would say something like that. Wow. Um, there's no great way to follow that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. See, I know this is kind of not the point of the question, but if I had a kid, um, I would probably start, like, before they're even old enough to, like, really understand with the, like, constant reinforcement and, like, support, you know? Because something, like, something my mom did a lot, um, you know, we would be, like, eating fast food, and she'd be like, oh, we really, I really shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I don't, I don't know how many calories this is, and, like, cringing at a mirror and bringing me along for the shopping trips while she complained about clothes never fitting. And, you know, like, early on, I kind of had that, like, bad image. So, you know, I think it's important to, like, start young with that, like, constant reassurance that, like, hey, you're perfect just the way that you are. And I think I would tell them, you know, like, just if you ever need it, like, you can come to me for help. Like, you can t talk about anything you need to. You can get whatever feelings off your chest you know like just explore and if you get too lost i'm always right here for you to come back to trying to tie into that fog metaphor i guess which was stunning Dude, by did. the way thank you just did to you touch like on really you just come up with that on the fly um, well, yeah, when he was when he was talking about what I would say to my kid, I sort of started brainstorming what kind of um, weirdly confusing, but kind of makes sense when you squint at it metaphor I was going to use because I use those a lot. Um, I, everything I say is off the cuff. I have never had a complete thought in my life, and that's okay. Um, just to really quickly touch on your point, which is a really, really good point, because um, when we, when we started this podcast episode, the first thing that came to mind was this kindergarten teacher that I follow on Instagram. And she puts up some videos of the way that she does things. And recently, I believe within the past two months, I saw this video of hers where she's recording the end of her class. And at the end of every class, she has them all do positive affirmations. And she has them say things like, I am so loved, I am so cared for, I am so special. And they give themselves a big, big hug, and then they go. And yes, I cried, because had I had that when I was their age, 
I would have been off to so much of a better start. And I'm so glad that someone in the world thought to do that. And I'm so glad that I saw it because now I can bring that home with me and bring that to the kids that are home with me. I can bring that to other people and I can just make sure that if it's going to help someone, it gets somewhere because that's reinforcement is a really, really big step. And it's important, especially for kids. Yeah, for sure. It's just a really small, quick act that can have life-changing properties. And I think, I definitely think that more teachers, whether you're in kindergarten or college, like I still think is really important. So our last question on the show is a repeating question. Basically, in the future, the world has kind of gotten its stuff together. We can all stand to be in the same area for, for a day or so. Don't think too hard about it, though. And basically, the world's best inventors or scientists or musicians or whoever else you want, all there to show off what they've made in the past year. And you have been invited to give the opening words to this whole presentation. So the entire world's your audience. The stage is yours. What are you saying? So, you know, I'd say a bunch of BS about like great minds all coming together. Wow, this is amazing. I love you all. And then I would say, everyone jump on the count of three. I want to know what happens. That's so much better than what I was going to say. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking about that. Um, there, there's, there's so much grandiose to this, so I would like to start off by saying, in this address, I'm absolutely wearing a sweatshirt. Um, and I will walk up to the mic and I'll say, people of Earth, take it easy, but still take it and stream out of control by you two. And then I will walk away. And hopefully there's some Oreos backstage. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, this has been awesome. Again, this has been Em and Fitz coming at you guys live from their bedrooms. <laughs> so yeah, I guess with that, I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>